Well, good morning, Timber Creek Church. Terrible. Good morning, Timber Creek Church. Hey, so glad to have you and welcome to another year uh, right here at the broadcast location of Timber Creek Church. We are one church in several different places. Want to welcome you if you're a guest in one of our locations. We're so thrilled to have you. Let's give our guests a great welcome this morning. Glad they're with us. We are here, and hey, continue to give it up for the Nacogdoches location and Iglesia Timber Creek online, and everybody joining us everywhere. We're so glad to have you. We are starting a new series for the new year, The World Spins Madly On. And I want to unpack this because I think this is an incredible time for you uh, to be a part of Timber Creek Church. We're going to take some uh, time, and we're going to dive into some spiritual disciplines but we're also gonna unpack like the application process of those disciplines. It's one thing to hear the word, it's another thing to do something about it. Uh, many times we are overeducated beyond our obedience. And Jesus says in his greatest sermon ever, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, if you hear but don't do anything, you might be like a contractor who builds a house on a real sandy foundation. But if you hear the word and you do something with it, that kind of contractor builds a house on a firm foundation. That's what we want for this year, a solid foundation. As we jump in and we make our New Year's resolutions and the goals and some of us hang on for dear life, I want to invite you to uh, take a journey with me today in this first week of laying some of the spiritual grid work uh, for the year. Uh, let's start with this idea that experience is the best teacher. Anybody ever heard that? Experience is the best teacher. That's not true. It's not right. It's wrong. I'll tell you why. Because how many of you parents have had to say, how many times do I have to tell you? They've had the experience. You told them, but they just haven't done anything with it. How many of you, instead of starting a brand new year in 2023, you know people who are actually just going to repeat 1998 all over again? And I'm not just talking about their hair choices or their music. I'm talking about some people turn 24 and they're 68 today, and over the last 44 years, they've been kind of learning the same lessons or not. They've kind of been doing the same thing. That's just the way I roll. That's just who I am. Just better get off the tracks when the train's coming through. Experience isn't the best teacher, but it is part of learning. It is part of learning. It is, a better way to say it is this way, evaluated experience is the best teacher. When I take a moment to reflect and think, when I stop long enough to bring it in, see there are levels of learning that all of us go through. There are uh, base foundational learning that all of us are gonna get today and it's called inspiration. Uh, you may be inspired to take a next step today, or you may be inspired not to come back to Timber Creek Church. Like this may not be, uh, you know, you dip your toe in the water and uh, the temperature in your temperature. That's okay. A lot of great churches in this area. But you may be inspired some way, somehow. But that's the lowest level of learning because inspiration doesn't necessarily mean any kind of transformation. From inspiration, we go to connection. We inspire but then they gotta like connect with what we're saying. You gotta connect, the, the student in fifth grade has to connect with what's being taught. They, oh, okay, but then it's not enough to even connect the dots, we apply the information. So inspiration into connection, into now 
application, I'm now going to see something in my life, in my marriage, in the way I live, in the way I work, in the way I walk, uh, in, in the way I, I, I process emotion, and I'm going to be inspired. I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to apply. But there comes this other level of learning is where we take time and we evaluate, where even the psalmist David says, search my heart, O God. Reveal anything in me. Now, Jesus doesn't have to search your heart, but we invite, the psalmist David invites God to do that because we need to evaluate our heart. We need to evaluate our next steps. We need to evaluate last year, and we need to look forward to this year. So um, let me start with that question. Maybe you've already been thinking about it, but here we go. Jump in with me. How was last year? How was it? Now, at all of our locations, um, if you had like, man, best year ever, if you had the best year ever, just kind of put a hand up in the air. It was your best year ever. Three of you, come and preach. Okay. All right. How many of you would say it was the best, um, it was uh, the year ever? And by I translate that into, you know, so if you know what that means, like it was the best year ever, how many of you would say that? Okay. Uh, how many of you would say it was a tough year? Wow. Okay. It's important to evaluate what made it tough. What were the nuances? How did you respond in those moments? If Jesus were in charge of your next year, if, if Jesus were in charge of your calendar, in 2023, if Jesus were in charge of your attitudes and emotions and responses, what would be different this year? Because this year we've got 525,600 minutes. How do you measure a year? 525,600 minutes, all of us. We've got 35 million heartbeats this next year. And all of that while every single one of us, the world spins madly on around the sun at 1,037 miles per hour. In the middle of all that, we're invited to slow down enough and evaluate what's this year gonna really look like? Will this year look any different? As a matter of fact, the next question, is there anything you'd like to change this year? Is there something you wanna do more of, something you wanna do less of? Um, something that you've been on the fence about and it's time to step forward or it's time to step back. It's time to get real with a friend and get some help. It's time to forgive. It's time to let go. Could be time to hang on. Anything you'd like to see changed this year. The truth is, change and desiring to change doesn't equal improvement. But improvement always requires change. There's always got to be something that shifts and transitions if we're going to experience improvement. And if you're taking notes, you may want to write some of these down. People who want to change, you got to take a next step. 
You don't have to take 500 steps. And many times that's how we love to start the new year. We build these resolutions. I'm going to do it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get out of debt and save all the money and start funding my retirement. And I'm going to go to Fiji and I'm going to go skiing and I'm going to do all that. Yeah, it ain't all going to happen. But you can't take one next step. You can't take one next step. And maybe when I talk about a next step, you might be wired like the Apostle Paul, who in 1 Corinthians says, I don't run without a goal. I fight like a boxer who is hitting something, not just the air. Like I've got focus. I've got determination. Uh, it's it, it's, it's, it, it's uh, uh, something very clear, the target, and I'm aiming towards it. Or you may have more of a disposition this year moving into 2023 like Job, who says in Job 6, I don't got the strength to endure. I don't got a goal that encourages me to carry on. Okay, Paul. And the truth is, no matter whether you are wired like Paul or you're dealing with the tensions and the trauma and the tragedy and the hurt like Job, God meets us right where we are and he has given you this time. Moses in the Psalms says, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Do you know why we need to be taught how to number our days? Because you're a terrible numberer. I guarantee you, you, you don't number your days well. Do you know why? Because every single one of you, the older you get, you start saying it more and more. Where did the time go? Well, you didn't number it. <laughs> like today for some of us, this is day 7,922. Others of you, it's more. And as I've said before in funerals, I'll say it here. We don't know who the young people in the room are. And we don't know who the old people in the room are. Because really your age isn't really determined on your first day. It's more determined on your last day. You can be 24 in the room and your days are numbered. And if you live till 27, whew, you're old. You could be 68, live till you're 90. You're, you're, pretty, you're still pretty young. And some of you said, okay, man. But here's what God wants you to see today. See, I wanna do a new thing. It springs up, it's, it's alive, it's well, it's breathing. It's not stagnant pond water. There's something refreshing that I wanna spring up and do new. Do you not perceive it? The truth is God can do all kinds of things right in front of us, but our perception becomes our reality. And if we don't tune in to what he wants to show us and those new things, we can tend to be focused on all the other things we did last versus the new things that God wants to do new. But you've got to see it. He has a plan. Walk in it. But you have to see what he's doing. Write it down. You can't be what you can't see. And if you can't see that God wants to do something particularly new in your life, the truth is, even though he wants to, you've, you've got a divine partnership with him that you've got to see it and embrace it and do the dance 
with him. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? I want to make a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You ever been stuck in a thicket? You ever kind of tried to push through the woods and, and, and get all thorned up and in the, in the junk and in the weeds? And it's like, oh, it's tough. And he wants to make a way through the wilderness. He wants to burst forth streams in desert places. That's what he does best. He, he doesn't come to earth in the form of full Fully man and fully God to make shiny people shinier and good people gooder and Christian people Christianer. He actually does some of his very best work in dry places, in, in places that need refreshing. But if we don't evaluate our life, if we don't evaluate our last year, if we don't evaluate January 8th, we may not even know we're dry because we haven't taken time as the world spins madly on to focus on the most important things. Scripture says in Ephesians, Paul says, God wants us to grow up. How many of you would love to, to see your spouse grow up? You know, your husband, bless God. You wanna see your kids grow up? You wanna grow up? To know the what truth, everybody? That. Wake up. The whole truth. The whole. Not half, not part. The whole truth. Some of us are living on yesterday's information and there's new truth, whole truth that God wants to reveal to us. And he wants us not only to know the truth and hold the truth and have the whole truth, he wants to us to tell it in love. This year, we wanna help equip you to just share your story. As easy as it is for you to bring up the weather or you to bring up what happened on social media or for you to bring up the cowboys. I wanna invite you that this year, if you'll dig in, you'll take some next steps. I wanna help you learn how to, as, as naturally as God designed you, to just tell a story about where you were, what God has done, and what God is doing. There's power in those stories that you have. We take our lead though from Jesus, who's the source of everything we do, the source of everything. He keeps us in step with each other. We love to kind of do our own thing. He keeps us in step. Walk with us. Walk this way. We were looking through pictures the other day with my, fam with my family in Kansas at Christmas, and my mom brought this big old tub, huge tub. She has six of them. She brought one big tub of all kinds of photos. Young people, photos <laughs> is not what you put on your kid. Like it was actual printed stuff. And we're looking through of it, and I found the monkey backpack that my son wore to Disney World. Pictures of the monkey backpack. Anybody ever put a monkey backpack on your kids? I'm talking about the, the thing that's got the tail, and it's basically, you basically have your, dog, your, your kid on a leash. I fought Janet so hard on that. I said, we are not going to put our kid on a leash like a dog. 17 minutes into Magic Kingdom, where is that leash? Where in the world? He, he, he didn't want to stay in step. 
We celebrated the old year going by and starting the new year with a wedding. I officiated a wedding and, and on December 31st, and, and towards the end, there was, some, there was some dance. I'm not a good dancer. And everybody's out there dancing, and I was in my nice clothes, and Janet was in her nice clothes. And, and like we, it was like we were, we were destined to be out there. And I'm like, nobody leaves baby in the corner. <laughs> and everybody's dancing out there. And, and so uh, her favorite song, Baby Got Back, came on. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, there, was a, <laughs> uh, there was a slow song. It was a slow one. It was a slow one. And, and, and I said, come on, let's dance. So I grabbed her by the head and said, you and me, girl, you and me. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just I grew up in a very conservative home. I did not get to even go to prom. I didn't get to go to prom. I didn't get to go to dances. Like, like uh, you know, we, we, we weren't allowed to do that kind of stuff. I mean, this was, this was it. Or it was the Pentecostal shuffle in church. Like, that was it. Uh, you could do the Pentecostal shuffle, but no way you're just going to do this. You know, you ain't going to do that. So I went out there. I'm a terrible dancer. I'm just going to start. I couldn't even do that. It was about a minute in. She's like, let's go sit down, please. Let's just go sit down. <laughs> And I said, oh, baby, she's like, no, no, we're bumping into each other. It's okay. I love you. You proved your love. It's okay. It's all good. I'm not a great lead when it comes. And I hope that this next year I can get over to Fred Astaire and do a little dance class with you and we can make it nice and whatever. But, but uh, so, so I'm a terrible dancer, but Jesus knows exactly the rhythm of your life and he invites you to stay in step with him. And the scripture goes on to say, so I insist, I insist, and God backs me up on it, that there be no going along with the crowd, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. There's no life for you this new year, just to keep doing what you're doing as the world keeps spinning. Paul says, no, 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 take on an entirely new way of life, a God-fashioned life, a life renewed from the inside out for a long time as a church, as the church body, we, we tended to really focus on behavior modification, like don't go to dances and you'll be more like Jesus. And really what it was all about was should have been more fall in love with Jesus. Fall in love with Jesus, and regardless of, of, of what comes next, you're going to learn what blesses him, and you're going to learn certain guardrails that, that you can have on your life. Don't worry about the speck in someone else's eye when you got a log in your own. Just know me. Just spend time with me. Just fall in love with me. And so many times, we've got very good acting people that call themselves Christians, they really don't know what it's like for Jesus to truly love them and for them to fall more deeply in love with Jesus. That's my prayer for you, to fall more in love with Jesus this year. Now, all the other things can be added. And as we do that, knowing from, we were renewed from the inside, working itself into our conduct as God accurately reproduces his character in you. So it's one thing to say, hey, Jesus is my homeboy, or I love Jesus, Jesus loves me, it's all good. But we get stuck when we just stop with saying, Jesus loves me, and we don't allow him to affect our next steps. When we say, I love Jesus, and he loves me, and he don't know, you know, love, it just is what it is. Like, it's okay, the biggest thing is just, love and he loves you and everything's going to be okay. He invites us into character development. He invites us that, that his love would, would, would 
shift some of our conduct this year. And here's what I want to invite you to do today. Today, as the world keeps spinning madly on, as you enter into this new year full force, it's time to decide. It's time to decide. The same way that the Israelites had to decide crossing over the Jordan River as for me and my house. Choose this day what you're going to do. Choose this day how you're going to be. Choose this day what you're going to become. Choose this day what you want to get done. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And what would that look like? What could that look like to truly ratchet up that reality? Or maybe for some of us, start brand new in that. Well, you've heard the word decide. You know the word pesticide or insecticide, genocide. Some of our lives have been affected by suicide. When, when we say decide, do you know what we're really saying? It's time to kill your options. It's time to put away all the other options. This was the challenge of an entire nation called Israel. It's why we have a big, huge chunk of the Old Testament, because God wanted to show us by developing a nation, he would say, if you will love me and put me first and only have me, I'll take care of you. I'll be your king. I'll be your supply. And they said, no, we love you, God, but we also kind of want to keep one foot over here on the, the, the other ground that is these other gods, this other stuff the other options. I want to keep my options open. L leaders, listen to me. When you say, ah, uh, you know, I want to keep my options open. Many times that is, that is uh, a, a translated into, I can't make a decision. It's time to kill our options and decide today. As for me and my house, I want to take next steps. One next step today. And I think we can all say emotionally with the inspiration level before we even connect the dots or apply or evaluate that we would all, all say, hey man, I, I do want to decide. I, I, I do, okay? Or if you're investigating the claims of Christ and you've not invited him to be your Lord and Savior and you're just kind of dipping your toe in the water of church again for the first time or the first time in a while, I invite you to take some time. Take some time to decide. But decide today that you're going to take some time to decide. Like decide today to investigate this year. We, we have a seat for you. You don't have to belong before you can just be a part and just become as God works his way in you from the inside out. But we all deal with this. We deal with decision derailers. We're gonna decide, but then, oh, I got off track. Decision derailers for the gym. We went to the gym the first three days of the year, bless God, and we look in the mirror we're like, I don't see any change. I ordered P90X. And day three, oh, they don't know what they're doing. I'm just going to give it up. Where's the Snickers? Well, we can get derailed from our decisions because seeing some of the transformative reality takes some time. But we get derailed because as the world spins madly on, you and I are confronted before we see the results with our history, with, 
with knowing that we didn't do what we wish we would have done or knowing that this is a barrier, knowing that I'm having to start over or any negative self-talk. Do you know that you have a history that's running in your mind? 40,000 thoughts a day your mind processes. 40,000 thoughts a day. And you know the average person, over 18,000 of those thoughts are usually negative. No wonder people get stuck in the same old ruts when they're telling themselves about a negative history, kind of feels like the future can be defeating. Our history can get in the way and derail us. Our, our, Our habits, good news. Good habits, I mean, hard to make, (laughs) easy to break. It's not such good news, is it? Bad habits, easy to make. (laughs) Like you can just make them right now. They're hard to break. (laughs) Good and bad habits. And the habits, the way we think, the way we walk, the way we work, what we put in priority, how we prioritize our family, what we say is most important by our time and our checkbook, our habits. Hey, here's another one, our perspective. The way we see things, how, we, how I see me, how I see myself and what I can do on my own, or what I can do with God, how I see my past, how I see my present and how I see my future can be a huge propulsion or it can be like quicksand for me. It can be jet fuel, it can be quicksand. By the way, I was talking with some friends the the other day. We were like, did you grow up thinking that quicksand was gonna be a whole lot bigger issue than what it became? Like, I remember growing up in school talking about quicksand and watch out for it and just wanna be prepared for it. And we'd play in the sandbox and talk about quicksand all the time. And you know, I just haven't seen a lot of quicksand. It's really disappointing as a 43-year-old. I will say I've gotten caught in some spiritual quicksand. I've gotten stuck in some, some emotional quicksand. But the real stuff, I haven't really gotten stuck in that stuff. But how I see me can become quicksand. How others see me can slow me down and, and make my decisions where I want to do the right thing, but other people speak into my life or they see something or they speak over me and I, I listen to what they're saying over what I know God wants to say and God, how God sees me is the realest way of who you really are. God sees who you are more than you see who you are. And he loves you. And he loves you so much that preemptively he paid the price to invite you into this dance with him. Our history, our habits, our perspectives. Hey, here's another one. I was was trying to get around to this, but I just kept delaying it our procrastination, stuff we know we need to get done, stuff we know we need, the, the person we need to become. And oh yeah, man, I, I'm gonna get to it, but we just let the other stuff get in the way. And it's not that we're lazy. It's not that we're not getting other stuff done. It's just that the stuff of life can be a decision ra- derailer. Kind of like my friend here, t- t- take a look. This morning, I got up and got ready quickly because I had to get a lot of stuff done. I sat down at my desk to start getting my stuff done, and I spilled my coffee, so I got a sponge to clean it up, and I figured I'd take an extra minute to clean the whole desk because a clean desk would help me get my stuff done. 
When I was finished, I realized I hadn't eaten anything and I didn't want to be hungry while I got my stuff done, so I went into the kitchen and I was out of cereal. When I got to the grocery store, I remembered a bunch of other crap I needed to get, and I figured I was already there, so I did my shopping for the week so I didn't have to worry about it while I got my stuff done. When I got home, I didn't feel like cereal anymore, and so I made an omelet and I did the dishes so I wouldn't have to do them after I got my stuff done, and then I went out to get some oil from the hardware store because my desk chair is kind of squeaky and I didn't want to be distracted by a squeaky chair while I got my stuff done. When I got back, it was getting kind of late, and I knew I wouldn't be able to get my stuff done today, so I started watching the Twilight Zone marathon on TV. I just have to make sure I get to bed early, because I want to be well-rested tomorrow so I can get my stuff done. Anybody relate? Like, let's have the altar call now, right? <laughs> stuff happens, you know? We gotta get our stuff done. That nation of Israel, God wanted to teach them not only how to trust in him fully and not have a second best. The very first commandment he gives, don't have any other gods before me. Um, but before they could even learn that, they had to get rid of this uh, enslaved mentality. They were slaves in Egypt. For 400 years, they had been under the hand of the Egyptians and the most powerful man in the world, Pharaoh. Pharaoh was to himself and to those Egyptians and to those Israelites, God. He was the one with the power. And yet God in the middle of that would show up with a deliverer named Moses and would walk into the throne room, courtroom of Pharaoh. And Moses would say, the real God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh wasn't gonna have it. Don't come in here telling me that anybody else has got the power. I'm the one in charge. And because he wouldn't budge and he wouldn't bend, God sent learning lessons of plagues. Uh, the, the water of the Nile turned to blood. Locusts were everywhere. There was famine. There was uh, flies. There, 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 was, there was all kinds of things that wanted to get fed because Pharaoh couldn't, he could control maybe the economy. He could control whether you should stand up or sit down or whether you should be whipped or whether you should get a palace, but he couldn't control like, you know, the weather. And so God used these things that were outside of Pharaoh's control to show him who was really in control, yet Pharaoh had a hard heart. He even sent frogs everywhere, bud wiser. Frogs everywhere, frogs in the pantry, frogs in the kitchen, frogs in the jacuzzi bathtub, frogs in the kids' diapers, frogs everywhere. It got so bad that finally Pharaoh said, get that Moses in here. And he came into the courtroom and he said, okay. He begged Moses and Aaron, begged them, begged them. Plead with the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people. And he says, if you do, if you take the frogs away, I'll let your people go so they can offer sacrifices to the Lord. Okay, you got me. I'm done. Let the people go, but get these frogs out of here. Moses, you set the time, bro. Set the time. Say it. It's done. Tell me what oh hundred hours you want this done, and I am in. 
And here's what will happen. You set the time. Tell me when you want me to pray for you, your officials, and your people. Then, after I do that, you and your houses will be rid of the frogs. <laughs> and what does Pharaoh say? Pharaoh says, oh, do it tomorrow. <laughs> do it tomorrow. Now, is this guy just being dense? No. This guy's just being Pharaoh. And as crazy as this is, that he wouldn't want Moses to do it like now, we all have a whole lot of Pharaoh in us. Because this isn't about frogs. This is about Pharaoh. If he says, do it, he is acquiescing to the fact that there's someone greater than he. There's someone that can control what he can't control. There's someone really in charge and it ain't Pharaoh. And yet many times we know what to do. We know we ought to step out of that. We know that that is a dangerous way to live. We know that we ought not be thinking that way, doing those things, stepping into that kind of environment. And yet we say we'll do it tomorrow because today I just wanna be Pharaoh. Today, I just wanna be God and have the final say. And so what we do is, before we realize it, 525,600 minutes go by and we've grown a little older, but we've not taken next steps in becoming more like Jesus because we just like control. Friends, I'm, I'm preaching to me today. It's time. It, it, it's time. It's time to decide. It's time to kill your options. It's time to get serious about taking next steps in your personal relationship with Jesus. And the good news is, he's given you today. Today is a gift. He, he is with you today and invites you into a next step right now. So here's four simple steps we can take to get a, a, a grid work, a foundational understanding as we jump into the rest of these weeks. I'm gonna give you some practical application, not just a, 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 a fluffy sermon. I wanna give you some, some, some handlebars that, 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 that you can attach to Thursday so that you can take next steps in becoming more and more like Jesus. Oh, your marriage wants this. Your children want this. They don't know quite how to verbalize it, but they want it. Your work environment wants it. Your, your, your family wants it. You want this. You just, you just gotta decide that it's time. Four things. Number one, it's time to grow closer to Christ. Notice that I didn't say it's time to grow smarter with Christ. There are a whole lot of people that can memorize more scripture this year, but it's not relationally connecting. It's not personal. It's just like church. But to grow closer, there's something about being in proximity. There's something about 
listening to the heartbeat. It's something about being close enough to see the little, the glimmer in the eye, knowing that, oh, I need to step back. I need to pause on that. I, my wife and I, we wanna grow closer to each other. I can get more knowledge about her. I, 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 can, I can, she knows my blood type. She's got knowledge. I, I, I can tell you her, her social security number. I, I can tell you her credit score. It's great, it's excellent. <laughs> but I wanna grow closer. Many people, they get stuck in exploring Christ and kind of growing in knowledge of Christ, but knowing the heartbeat of our Lord. I wanna invite you to know the heartbeat of Jesus this year. In Isaiah, God says it like this through the prophet, when you come looking for me, good news, you'll find me. You wanna grow closer? Come looking for me. You know what God is terrible at? He's good at a lot of things. You know what he's terrible at? Hide and seek. He's as good as my three-year-old son back in the day. He's 14 now, but 11 years ago, my son be hiding in the middle of the kitchen. Let's play hide and seek, daddy. And you know, as a good dad, I don't know, where could he be, you know? This is God with you. He doesn't want to try to hide. When you seek me, you'll find me. I'm right here. I'm going to stick my, I'm gonna stick my toes out behind the curtains. Here's another one. Just like we, were, we, we are very good parents, just letting them play in the laundry, you know? When you come looking for me, you'll find me. Yeah, when you get serious about finding me and you want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. If I had to come up with X amount of money for you, could it be $50,000? For some of you, with a flick of a wrist, you could find it right there in your own checking account. Others of you, how in the world could I come up with that? But if my child's life was on the line, I would find it fast and I would have no problem. Because I got serious about it, I could find just about anything. Friends, find him. It's not hard, dude, you gotta get serious. You won't, you won't be disappointed. Grow closer to Jesus this year. Number two, develop spiritual habits. There's a lot of things you could do. You could save that money. You could lose that weight. You could get out of debt. I think that those have somewhat to do with spiritual habits even, like our body is a temple and the way we uh, honor God with our first fruits and our finances. That's all spiritual. But your spiritual habits, you gotta develop them. You gotta get in the discipline this year. Good habits build good character. Good news, good character builds my destiny. Way more beyond the self-help book, your character is what's gonna build your destiny. The shape of the God-pursuing ones follow firmly in the footsteps of the Lord. And God, he delights in every, and I added for emphasis next, step they take to follow him. He's not looking for 42 steps. He's looking for one next step. Delight in him and take one next step. Can I tell you what your best next step is today? For some of you, here's what your best next step is. Are you ready? Put God first. Everything after that, put God first. Everything after that, put God first. If God isn't first in your life, he is not God 
in your life. This is what Pharaoh had to do. By acknowledging that Moses could reach out to God and God would get rid of the frogs, he was saying, you're God's first. I'm not God. And do you know a very practical way you can do this? This isn't the only way, but one practical way we can do this this year in 2023, everybody. Show up to church. Like, show up to church. There is, there, uh, man, I don't need church. I just need my Bible. I don't need God. I'm gonna tell you, you don't need the church to be saved. Otherwise, it's all about what you could do, okay? You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you're saved. But there are so many one another's that you can't do without the church. There's so much character and development and, and, and gifts that are to be utilized and strengthened. You can't do it without the church. Well, I'll just listen to KSWP and I'm just gonna be fine. I can only imagine... Yeah, I can only imagine not becoming who God's called you to become. Because you, you got to like get a part of a community. He's, he's built the church with you in mind to be a part. Over the last year, as we rewind what we went through this last year, had, had there been people, there, there, are, there are those that you, you are dipping your toe in the water for the first time today, or maybe a fresh time today, or maybe it's been inconsistent for you. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ and are even here today. Let's start somewhere. But let me just give you a little bit of a rear view experience of what you would have heard and seen over the last 52 weeks. At Christmas service, we talked about Joseph standing right in front of the greatest miracle the world had ever seen, that God would become man. He was staring at a miracle in Mary's belly, and he was about ready to divorce himself from that miracle. He was going to walk away from the greatest miracle ever because sometimes we can't see what God is doing right in front of us. And our best intentions don't necessarily determine the best actions. At Christmas service, over 3,400 people came, heard the gospel message. 274 people began to follow Jesus, made a decision to follow Jesus at our Christmas services. Isn't that awesome? Before that, we, we had the family tree where we talked about the dysfunction in Jesus' own family, where Jesus had dysfunction through the roof with his own family. If God... Let Jesus be born out of a dysfunctional family. There's good news for you and for me. And we had handlebars on how to deal with stuff that even Jesus' family members dealt with. Before then, the series Unashamed was all about shame and how many of us wear it, we don't even realize it sometimes. And it can come like that jet fuel or that quicksand I talked about. And how shame is basically trying to hide parts of ourselves. And how God will walk through the garden and find you hiding and whatever shame, and will cover you. Don't wear what God allowed his son to wear on the cross and pay for. We took time at the table where we journeyed through different stories in the Bible, Old Testament and New, where Jesus would sit at a table and the, the, the value of, of getting in proximity and close to, to Jesus like that. During the summer, we were in a series called Summer Vibes and we gave you scripture, summer scripture to memorize. And it was all about the book of Philippians. We went through the book of Philippians verse by verse and we unpacked what, what many scholars say is the happiest book of the Bible written by Paul while he's in prison. Yet he had the determination that the joy of the Lord would be his strength. Before then, from Mother's Day to Father's Day, 
For those several weeks, we talked about what being a real warrior looks like and how the armor of God is available for every Christ follower, not to fight naked, but to like put your pants on with the belt of truth and be able to have the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. And we realized that Batman hangs his wardrobe in the bat cave and Superman changes into his wardrobe in the payphone booth. But like the, 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 the Christ follower, your outfit hangs in the prayer closet. And how we, we are invited into every day equipping ourselves with the armor of God. Before then, as a church, we had vision casting of going all in to multiply locations and multiply leaders. We are almost 100 years old, and God has given us a call to, before we turn 100, to see 36,500 people saved through this church, and so that people would have, lost people would be saved, saved people would be pastored, pastor people would be trained, and then those trained people could just keep it to themselves and not tell anybody else, no, so that those trained people would be mobilized to make a difference in their world. You probably won't make a difference in the world, but you can always make a difference in your world. And, and not only did we learn about going all in spiritually, but financially we went all in and made commitments that we were gonna put God's kingdom first and our attitude and even our finances. And even today, starting today, January 8th, for the first time, Pastor Dan from Nacogdoches is not with the Nat campus today. He is actually preaching our very first sermon series at Timber Creek Groves in Groves, Texas, in the Beaumont area. We're getting started. We're multiplying locations. God is on the move. We want to attend to what he reveals. And all in was all a part about making sure we're honoring Jesus with our 100th anniversary of doing whatever he's called us to do. Before then, it was grace and truth over trending that this culture wants to give you all kinds of TikTok theology. It's like TikTok wrong. And how we got to be full of grace and full of truth. And if you're full of truth, but you don't have grace, you're just mean. If you're full of grace and you don't got no truth, you're just kind of like meaningless. But if you got grace and you got truth, you got medicine for this culture. And we kicked off the year with habits. And do you know that I asked the exact same two questions? How was last year? What would you like to change this year? Talking about routines over resolutions. Friends, you and I process about 13,140,000 words every year. That means we say about 6,000 words a day and we receive, whether hearing or seeing, um, through peripheral advertisements on billboards, we say about 6,000, we receive about 30, it comes out to about 13 million words a year. Last year, if you would have attended all 52 weeks of Timber Creek sermons, we preached about 338,000 words in 52 sermons. Oh, but Jeremy, your sermons are a little bit longer. I, I already ratcheted it up. <laughs> so out of all that you heard last year, if you came to church, that would still only be 0.2% of the words you brought in and his words are life. Not my words, his words. I encourage you to show up to church this year. That 0.2% can make a difference. Not because of 
the pastor, but because of the presence of Jesus. You gotta show up and you also gotta slow down to pray. In this series, I'm gonna talk to you about how hurry is not compatible with the love of Jesus. I'm gonna show you how all throughout scripture, as much as Jesus had to get done, he never rushed anywhere. What were the disciplines that Jesus showed us that we can take next steps in that would help us be able to live the, the right rhythm of life as the world spins madly on? That's what the rest of this series is gonna be about. In the meantime, I wanna invite you to join me, join our team, join hundreds of others at the Nacogdoches and Lufkin location for 21 days of prayer. You may choose to also fast. Our team is fasting. We're inviting our church body to fast something. It's basically prayer connecting us more to God. Fasting kind of disconnects us from the stuff of the world, helps us clarify our focus. 21 days of prayer and fasting. 6 a.m., 6 p.m. We join a thousand other churches at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. And we simulcast a prayer service. You say, an hour of prayer, six to seven, an hour of prayer. Just show up. Just show up. Just sit down. Don't, like, you don't even have to pray. Just show up. Get in the parking lot. Just get in the parking lot. Start somewhere. Take one next step. Don't try and come in and say, oh, thus saith. Just like, show up. Join, join us online if you need to join us online. It'll, the, the, the link will be there in, in, in social media. But there's something special about slowing down to pray together. 21 days, Monday through Friday, January 9th to 29. Pray, start somewhere. Number three, you gotta help others grow. Christian, if, if you're maturing in Christ, it's time to move forward into maturity. And maturity isn't again, just all the scriptures you know, it's inviting others along. That's the sign of a real disciple is when you make, invest in other disciples. The way I preach, aha, means nothing about my maturity. It means skill. I can develop a skill of communication and stay a baby in Jesus. We wanna grow up, we wanna help others grow. And it's not just the one with the microphone. You have a microphone. Your experiences are your platform. Scripture says when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith. That's what I hope to do every Sunday in worship and in, in preaching that the presence of Jesus would encourage you in your faith. But I also want to be encouraged by yours like you encourage me. You, 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 you encourage me to see what God is doing in your life. Let us think of ways to motivate one another, to acts of love and good works, and let's not neglect our meeting together as some people do. It's time to decide. Would you write it down? I cannot be the person God wants me to be by myself. You don't grow in a vacuum. Iron sharpens iron. It's time. And number four, number four, it's just time to stop wavering. It's the diagnosis of the Israelites. They would say, we wanna serve you, God, but we also wanna fall back. 
and they would honor God and then they would serve the sex gods. They would honor God and then they would serve the harvest gods. They wavered. So this is my prayer for all of us. And this is my prayer for my family. This is my prayer for my 19 year old daughter, my 14 year old son. In our 23rd year of marriage, as the world spins madly on, it's my prayer for our marriage, for my wife and for me. Friends, confirm God's invitation to you, his choice of you. He chose you and he chooses you today, no matter what the history or the habits or the perspective or the procrastination, he chooses you. Embrace that today. Before you could ever choose him, he chooses you. Now embrace it. And don't put it off. Don't, don't be a Pharaoh and do it tomorrow. Do it now. And the promise of this scripture in 2 Peter, do this and even though the world spins madly on, you'll have your life on firm footing. I don't know what this year is gonna bring you. I don't know what last year brought you. I know that all of us are where we are and he invites us into to take a next step with him. And if you will place both feet on that firm footing. Come hell or high water, come jet fuel, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is quicksand. It's just quicksand. So this isn't the end of the sermon, this is decision time. Would you close your eyes at all of our locations and bow your heads? I'm not gonna make the decision for you in the next 30 seconds. There's nothing else I could say. It's been said. Now would you just invite Jesus to speak to you? Just in this moment, Jesus, what's my next step? And I believe he would say to some of you, you need to believe that I love you and that I've not forgotten you. It's time to trust me fully. Others, it's, it's time to give away what you've been blessed with. It's time to invest in others. For others, it's, it's just time to get closer to me, Jesus says. And so Father, that's what we pray. No matter what next step we're standing in front of, each next step is unique as they are. May we grab your hand. May we lean in close and follow your lead and step with you. We ask it in the name of Jesus, the strong son of God. Everybody said amen.